Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. You might know her from her time on Broadway and on tour as Elphaba and Wicked, but she was also Grizabella in the fifth U.S. national tour of Cats. So welcome, Anne Brummel, and thank you for joining me. Hi, thank you for having me. I am excited. I always love when I have a Grizabella because the whole podcast is based on the fact that I don't think that you are the right choice, but (laughs) we will get there. I want to start, or I like to always start with what was your introduction to cats before you were on tour? Oh, I, my parents took me to see cats at the winter garden theater. And I distinctly remember being absolutely terrified. So just a a quick backstory on my like upbringing. I grew up with parents who were Broadway performers. So I was no stranger to sitting in the audience. I was no stranger to being in a theater in a theatrical setting. So there is no reason why I should have been terrified. But I had never been in the audience when creepy grown people in spandex come in your face with glowing eyes at the beginning of the show in the pitch black. And at the Winter Garden Theater, there was um, in the orchestra section, there was like the majority of the orchestra. And then there was like a very big aisle that was like horizontal to the stage And then there were more seats. So it was like a very large aisle. And I was a small child and a cat came right in front of me in the dark with like eyes that lit up. And I screamed as if I was being stabbed to death. Like, so that was my experience with cats. I was traumatized. Um, That was my, yeah, that was my introduction to cats. This is very good for my arguments of the show. Um, Help me out on when, I'm assuming, I'm going to guess it's got to be 80s, 90s. When did this happen? Like, how old were you when you went? You know, I really don't know. It ha- Yes, it had to have been 80s. Um, I would say I was probably, I'm going to go seven or eight. Okay, so under 10. Yes, this okay. I, this could totally be wrong. I could have been like 22. I have no idea. <laughs> no, I, I think I was, I'm going to go seven or eight because I don't really remember much. Like, I, I have the worst memory and like, I, 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 I think it had to have been then. I vaguely remember. 
anything before then, I don't think I would remember. Okay, so I have major issues with children seeing this show. <laughs> because I now know way too much of the backstory, and it's very dark. And I also, as an adult, when I saw the revival in 2016, and I was very, you know, a, a full adult, a working adult, was also, the only reason I didn't scream is because I was two seats in or three seats in from the aisle. But I'm pretty sure I would have screamed because I was not ready for green eyes to be popping no, in my face. No, And I think it's terrifying for children. And then I think there are some story undertones of the plot that are also not kid appropriate. Oh, well, it's very sexual. And dark. There's And dark, there's some sex. I also, can we just comment on the fact that like, you know, the official term that it was called green eyes, like- yeah. You were you were officially like well, I'm a, a I'm in. insider. I'm You're in. in. I know. In. <laughs> I should not. If you bring me back to 2016, I did not know anything besides Cats was a long running show and it was coming back, and that was my knowledge. I just moved to New York. I had been to Broadway before, but I wasn't like a common theater goer, uh, and I saw the show. And now I can tell you half the lines of the, in the plot of the of the musical. So it's been a journey. It's been seventy plus episodes, and <laughs> oh my here we here we are. Um, but I do think it's. I find it very interesting. And I guess being having parents in theater, mm-hmm. there's probably a big difference with them thinking. You know what? Forget the undertone of this. It's theater. It's cats. Kids will enjoy it because you can just kind of like the chaos of it all without really having to understand that the ball's an orgy or that Demeter's getting sexually abused or that mm-hmm. Victoria's basically having sex on stage. Losing her virginity. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, you know, so we're, I think we just like, I've always kind of found that fascinating, but fast forward, did you have any interactions with the show from that moment until tour? Yes, I okay. did. This is so again, terrified this time as a grown human. I went to see it. I had a friend doing the show at the Westchester Broadway Dinner Theater in Elmsford, New York. And it was somebody that I had performed with. And a bunch of us went to go see them at Westchester Broadway Dinner Theater. Again, a place that I had spent time as a child because I had a parent who worked there numerous times. So like familiar territory. And it was like PTSD. Like I, those lights went out. And that like overture started and I started sweating and I was like, I, if they're going to come here and I don't want them to come at me, I just, I, I don't, I want to be left alone. Like it was immediate trauma, like shot me right back. And this time I was not seven. I was a grown ass woman and I was sitting in a theater sweating profusely because I didn't want dancers in spandex and cat makeup to approach me. So that was... <laughs> So it all came rolling back. You support a friend and it all comes like trauma comes back to you the minute the lights go out. Yeah. And And that two hours and 45 minutes through the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Was it? Okay. I guess full dinner theater did the full show. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Full show. I believe. I think. Okay. I love it. So so now those are your two interactions. You clearly are traumatized by this. It's awful. And you get, you get audition and go on and chosen to be Grizabella. Yeah. What is that like when you're auditioning for a show that you had such vivid memories of growing up? What was 
was really funny is I just remember like the audition process. I mean, Grisabella, come on, you get to sing memory. I was young. It was like, you know, I was, it was one of my first like big jobs, I guess, as a, as a lead in anything. And, you know, the, the, the sheer terror of the moment sort of went away because when you're on the other side of it, it wasn't going to be that scary. Right. And what was funny is that my sadistic side was like, I cannot wait to do green eyes. Like the joy that I felt when I found out that I was going to be a part of green eyes, it, it was, it all had come full circle. It was like, I, I now could like, I could be the person scaring people. And I actually really, I did. I did for, I guess for a year, I traumatized other children, but I, I just remember being like, Oh my God, this scared the shit out of me as a child and adult, which I didn't talk about as much. Um, and now I get to do it. Like it was like sort of like conquering your fear. I'm sure a therapist would be like, face your fear. And so I did, I leaned in, I leaned into the fear. Did you seek out children when you were doing green eyes being like, I'm going to, you're going to have nightmares. Cause I had nightmares growing up. Or did you find like, an odd, just a random audience <laughs> I I don't think I sought out children. I think I sought out anybody that looked unsuspecting. Like some people, you know, they kind of know what what's coming at them and so they look around or they're like they but then there's always those in the audience that are like they don't know where they are and their wife made them come and like they have no idea. And you went for them. I remember we played like a I think we played like Biloxi, Mississippi, like a casino. And of course, like in a casino setting, it was like a shortened version of the show. And, you know, everybody has like food and popcorn. And I remember doing green eyes to somebody, a woman who screamed so loudly and threw like an entire like movie bucket of popcorn like in the air. And I don't think I think that was maybe the high point of my career. There was somebody in the 2016 revival that got punched. No way. And said it on this podcast that they got hit one time. So I do think oh. there's some there's some danger there. I, I will say I've seen the show twice on Broadway um, in the revival, and I've seen it twice on the VHS. And the second time I got tickets to see the revival, a friend was really adamant that we went and saw it. It was exactly a year after I saw it the first time. And I said, I'm fine as long as I'm not on the aisle. Was like <laughs> part of the my disclaimer of I did not want to be part of the that experience. And yeah. then of course we ended up in the last row of I forget where. And I was like, oh my God, they're gonna be behind me. They're gonna be behind me. So the, like the minute the lights went out, I like leaned forward and I was like, oh my God, please just don't. Let's get through this part because I know this is coming and I do not want to <laughs> be part of this. And sure enough, someone's like on the back of your seat. Yep. Like climbing over yeah. you, ready to go. But I have to say, I am not great with like any sort of immersive theater experience in general. Like Lion King, I wasn't okay. There were hyenas. I was very nervous. I, like, And that was, I was a full adult. Again, like very nervous. I, I've only ever done one theater gig where I was immersive and I actually, I did enjoy that, but it took a long time. I I did sleep no more and I was not oh, ready. Oh, yes. I was very uncomfortable in sleep no more. It was amazing. It was incredible. I it's, would like to go back now knowing what it was, but I was I was already terrified from the elevator moment. I was like, please don't push me off the elevator. Yeah. I don't want to go. Oh, no, don't ruin it. I don't want to go. Floral report for for anybody that's going to do it in New York. I tell everyone in New York you have to go do it just because it's such a unique experience. Yes. Um, but it's also everything that people love about it were my nightmares. Like, yes. hey, you might get pulled out of the, the room by one person and like grabbed. I'm like, that sounds yep. terrible. Yep. Um, so there was so many parts of that. But that was the I've had a few and I, I'm that's not what I'm there for. I don't want to be part <laughs> of it. I want to be a spectator. 
And yeah. that was also my first cats moment. So I love that you took that trauma and said, <laughs> I'm going to put this on to everyone else that comes all across the country to yeah. every person I can. Yep. <laughs> that is phenomenal. So, okay. So you had a couple experiences seeing the show before you then get the, you know, lead on tour. Mm-hmm. What is that? Like, I always love what is told to you about Grizzabelle? <laughs> what is the background that you're supposed to to take into? Like, I, I get the emotion of the background, but like, how much story is given to you from her? I think I think there's like as much story as can be given. So it was it was really sort of presented to me that Grizabella had left she left the tribe and like, you know, in, in packs of animals and that that's no bueno. And they don't really approve of that. And she, I think our director told us, um, it was Richard Stafford. I want to say that he said something like, you know, she left the group and she like went and like had a whole experience at like studio 54 and did like a lot of drugs and she partied really hard and she's back because she's dying and she needs forgiveness and she needs she needs to be reborn and she's, you know, she's coming back and she's, but she left and that, that was not okay. And I mean, I remember in the rehearsal process, there was a day, I mean, because let's be honest, like you are a grown adult crawling on the floor in a studio in New York city, pretending to be a cat. Like that's what, that's what you're doing. Um, so that's the life choice that you have made is you are, you're in a rehearsal studio crawling around pretending to be a cat with other adults pretending to be cats. And I remember him, like all of the cats and kittens, because those exist in the show, were playing with each other. And I remember him tapping me on the shoulder and being like, you have to leave. And I was like, what do you mean I have to leave? And he's like, well, you can't, you can't play with the other cats. It's a lonely show. And like I got kicked out of the rehearsal room. And I just remember like being on a bench I think it was at like Nola Studio. I don't even know if it exists anymore. And I was like on this bench and I remember just like laying down and taking a nap because I was like, well, I guess I don't, I don't know how long this is going to be. So I'm going to just hang out here for a little while. And I guess when they need me, I'll come back. Um, so yeah. I kind of love that. This is, it's the, you can't sit, <laughs> you can't sit with us. Um, no. It's the mean girls right there, right in its own form. But it's also, it's kind of a, probably a like director move of we want them to become friends and family and we don't want you to be part of that because we need that on stage animosity in the beginning yes interesting sure. yes i yeah. kind of love that i think that's very fascinating um <laughs> because it is i do think there's like the okay you're all actors you're all incredibly talented actors like you can play that. And then there's also some of the like psychological part of like, no, we're not going to even let this happen. Like you go sit over there because we don't want them. We want them to all almost hate you. In well, a, it's in a interesting way. Because like, I think when you do a show where you are a character like that, like the show is designed like that. Right. So like everybody in cats is on stage together all the time. You know, they interact all the time and then you kind of just like, come on occasionally and when you do you're clearly not wanted there Mm -hmm. so you do spend a lot of time on your own because everybody else is on stage doing their thing and um you know yeah it it is a lonely show for (laughs) Grisabella so that is another part I found fascinating that I did not 
I mean, I don't think I realized, obviously, I saw the episode twice, so it's not like it was a lot of this stuff came in until I started analyzing it from every angle possible. But I didn't piece together that Grisbell's on stage for only 15 minutes during the whole show. Yeah. And to be able to tell a story of that power in 15 minutes. So how did like that, how do you rehearse for that? I think in Cats truly like the, the larger quote unquote larger your role was like the, the more notable your role was, the less you did in the show. Like when you think about the structure Mm -hmm. of Cats. Um, I think, I mean, I guess truly it's more of a testament to the, the, the writing of cat. Well, I mean the writing and the create, like the creativity of how the show is pieced together, because I think, you know, this, she appears and it's, and I think people root for the underdog naturally. I think people want to root for the underdog, except maybe you given the (laughs) podcast name. Um, We'll get there. I promise we'll get there. (laughs) Um, but she comes out and, and she's really sort of a sad situation. I mean, even though she's in fierce heels with fur on them, like she is a sad situation and she's clearly hated. And that's an energy that you have not seen other than McCavity, which is more like a fear, like, but oh, mm-hmm. this guy's intriguing. We don't know what that is. Um, she's just sad. She's broken down. She's tattered. She's, you know, you sort of think she's older, like, um, she's clearly had a tough life and they, and I actually think that first like Grizabella, the glamour cat, um, is actually one of my favorite things musically in the show. Um, and so I think it's not necessary for her to do much because I think she's, she's really the saddest one of the bunch. And so, you know, memory is written so beautifully that it, it's such a powerful song and it, you know, they really truly stick to that like 11 o'clock number sort of structure and you get like a little teaser. Um, so I, I think it was made, I think doing so like such a small time on stage or, or, or only being on stage for such a short amount of time um, I think the work is sort of done for you in the sense that that the structure of the piece really sort of allows you to to captivate people in a short amount of time. Yeah, I, I do. So I totally agree. I've also found it just fascinating because you you hear about Gus, who also is Bustifer in, in 2016, Peter. And then you get to do, I think it's called Baby Grizz. So you get to essentially dance in the green eyes yeah. in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So there are all these others like... We're going to make the most out of everybody doing all this stuff. And then it's like, but Grizabelle's memory is going to be so powerful. You're going to get the end. Mm-hmm. So I have, it's just such a unique thing. I just didn't think about that at all until it was said to me. And then I started thinking back going, wow, you really are. It's 15 minutes of mm-hmm. two hours and 45 minutes. Yeah. We'll be right back after a short break. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about the other rumors of Grizabella. Now oh, it's been, been a little I time, so I want to hear. I want to hear if these, if like they resonate of the. Oh, I definitely could see that. Okay. Or did I even ever think about playing it that way? Because okay, none of them okay. are none of them dramatically change the plot. They just always are like, okay, how do I? How do we think about it? Um, okay. Okay. First one is I'll start with the easier ones. That you are potentially Bomb and Demeter's mother. Oh, interesting. I knew that. I had always known that Bomb and Grizz had. I always thought they were f- friends. Like friends. they had okay. been very close friends. I had not. I had not thought of that. I had not heard that rumor. That may have been. I may have still been in an earlier incarnation before that rumor had started. But well, okay. So all of them are really interesting because a lot of them are. Well, first of all, they're just all made up on fan fiction. And a lot of them depend on, I think, the the way, the age of how the characters were played in mm-hmm. certain productions. Yeah. And then the relationships of those with certain productions. Because you start to, as I've talked to more and more cats, um, cast members, it's like these two people are best friends off stage, mm-hmm. and their cats theoretically should hate each other. And so it's like they do it, but they also you can tell that they have chemistry because they're friends. And so I do think a lot of these rumors stem from stuff like that um, more than actually what did, was the written part. Because the other one is Victoria uh, being Grisbell's daughter. Um, all right. That I could see more than I would see the bomb and Demeter. Bomb, I always thought, if I remember a million years ago, um, bomb was always like, I feel like we were always friends. And I think there was a little bit of elevated resentment and and um emotion with bomb ballerina um because we were such good friends and i left mm-hmm. and so there was like there was always history there there was history um but i guess at the time and maybe it was just like you said an age thing i didn't i don't think i thought of it as like a, a parental okay kind of it's sister friend Mm -hmm. okay and that makes sense but that you know that that becomes interesting because then everyone thinks bomb and demeter are sisters yes that's true yeah okay um what about mccavity do you see a relationship there oh i'm sure they got it on at some point yeah (laughs) they definitely got drunk one night and something happens I do Whether think they talk about it or not. I yeah. Know. I think there's probably some like McCavity was part of Grisabelle leaving and getting into some of the problems. Oh, I mean, maybe. Okay. Here's the one that I made up. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. and, and so you got to follow me on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's rumors that Bustifer and Grizz and Jelly were all really good friends. Okay. And that Bustifer and Grizz were really good friends. And then Jelly... Um, it seems like got, it cheated with Bustifer. So my theory, and then Joey also gives up her performance opportunity to let Grizabella perform. So my theory is that she, Jelly cheated on Bustifer or with Bustifer. Bustifer cheated on Grizabella with Jelly. And Jelly then feels so bad that she, when Grizabella comes back, says, this is my apology. And so it's a love triangle. All right. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know that I felt back in the day like that. I would definitely go more connection with like a McCavity, like bad boy type. Whereas I think in my brain, Bustifer was a little, I think he'd be a little safe, but maybe, I mean, hey, Anything is possible. Yeah. There's anything no anything really. There's no right or wrong. There's no right or wrong reason no. to answer these. And I can tell you that most of these rumors that are on here, I, I feel like a couple of them are purely because I have uttered them on this podcast. 
whether there's any truth to it or not. And so yeah. I do know that that's how most of this starts. And there's a lot of also fan fiction out there. And a lot of the fan okay. fiction stems to a lot of this. Majority of it is just Tugger and Mustafalis being together. But that's like 90% <laughs> of the fan fiction. But, is that in real life or just on stage? Because I think both could be true. Uh, if um, you if you want to get lost in a very, very dark <laughs> web of stories, uh, just search Cats fan fiction. And oh my gosh. It's got to be 90% of them are about Tugger and Mustafalis together. Wow. Interesting. And they are okay. like, they're like books. Um, when I did my Mustafalis episode, I did I, I said I'd read a couple of them. Just not all of them or full things, but I found one that was 30 chapters. I mean, it was 50,000 words. No way. Been, Who has the time? It was time? a book. Someone wrote a book, a full story. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I enjoyed it because they picked. They did not pick Grisabella as the jellical choice at the end. So I was like, this book is amazing. This Real, is poor, brilliant. Best, best ending I've read in a book in a long time. All right. Um, all right. Yeah. So it's out there. Again, this is, I mean, again, 70 plus shows in. We've got, there's cat's content for days. Yeah. All right. Let's now change gears a little bit. Okay. And let's take some of your wicked experience into the cat's world. Because I do find cats has yeah. been around for so long. It's fun to try to make parallels to. Okay. And, and there's also so many cats and different personalities and characters. Yes. So I have a couple and you might be able to fill in more because my wicked knowledge is definitely less than most people's but which cat would you say if you're casting a wicked character and only taking the cats who would you cast them as so i want to know for alphaba i mean like in some ways grizz is comparable to alphaba in the Mm. sense that she's like the outcast you know but but i'm trying to think now i'm trying to like think back to all the cats (laughs) i can tell you my answer but i don't think my answer is very right I mean, Bahama is like strong, but she's also like, she's sort of like cool. And what's your, who's your answer? So to me, the cats are genderless. And so I went with, oh, okay, I went with okay. McCavity because oh, I feel McCavity yeah. is almost the villainish. Well, you didn't say genderless. Oh, they're cats. That's well, the main I mean, point of the whole show, right? Like that's part of the beauty of the show is that they're, they're for the most part fluid. Right. Okay. Well, McCavity, I can see. I was only thinking of the. I do like Bob um, and Grizz. I think Grizz is an interesting parallel because I mean, there I think is Grizz some... is obvious because she's the outcast. She's mm-hmm. you know, and and actually the dynamic show wise, like as a performer of Grizz and Alphaba. I mean, granted, Alphaba is like exponentially harder, and you're certainly on stage for more than fifteen minutes. Um, but the the energy around you is very similar um, mm-hmm. where it is yet another character where the moment you step foot on stage, nobody wants anything to do with yeah. you. So even though you're on stage and you're around people way more, Elphaba is also a lonely show at times because you just, everywhere you go, people are like, no, we're good. We're good. Thanks. We don't need you. Um, so in some ways they are similar in that sense, as far as like the vibe you get when you're, when you're on stage as a performer, but McCavity makes sense. McCavity could be misunderstood. Mm -hmm. What about Galinda? Um, Galinda, who would Galinda be? (laughs) I mean, maybe like, well, I think I'm just thinking because of like her uppityness. Like Jelly Lorem or Griddle, but like Griddlebone, that combination. That was Jelly Lorem was, was my answer. Yeah. What about the Wizard of Oz? Oh, you know who I would say for the Wizard of Oz um, is, haha, Monkestrap. Okay. So I think we thought the same way, but I said Old Deuteronomy. 
But I think we're thinking the exact same kind of... I feel like Old Duke's the obvious choice. I mean, he could totally be the wizard. Surely he could be the wizard. Um, I guess I thought Monk is strapped because he kind of... He's a little more showman-like mm. than Old Duke. Old Duke kind of gives you that like old, wise... Almost more like a Dr. Dilliman in the sense that he's like a little bit older, wiser. I think he he sees things in a different way. And Monk Strap sort of has that like... He's a little bit more... Uh, of a showman, I guess. And wants to be in charge. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who am I missing? Anybody else I'm missing that we should be covering? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, well, there's like, I mean, there's like Fiero and Madame Morrible, but I don't know who those. <laughs> this is a stretch to begin with. That's, uh, yeah. This is, I mean, we're really we're talking about Cats and Wicked, two very real, real theater, you know, experiences. So I don't know. Let's pivot. Um, we're going to do my rapid fire oh, God. and then we're going to go into our argument on Grizabella four against. Okay. Um, okay. So if you were not Grizabella and you could go on one day for any cat suspend, like if it's some, somebody you're qualified to sing, dance or whatever, just, if you could just do one track one day, ignoring all, I always frame it that way because I'm not capable of doing any of this stuff. Um, who would you want to go on as? Honestly, I think I'd want to be Rumple Teaser. Okay, tell me more. I don't know. I just think that's the most fun number and it looks so exhausting. But I just, I liked that they always got into mischief and and they were just, I don't know. I think Rumple Teaser would be fun. Or, you know, who else would be really cool? And it's just because I was so obsessed with our, uh, with her name's Jackie Stedman. She now has like so many children and lives in upstate New York. Um, our syllabub. I loved her syllabub was so good. Um, She was just so endearing and um, she was great. So I don't know. I say rumple teaser or syllabub. I would definitely be a kitten. I'd want to be a kitten. Okay. Of course, I'd have to be able to dance and have any sort of energy to do any of it. (laughs) Well, that's why I always frame it that way because I'm like, I can't do any of this stuff. I can't sing. I can't dance. Um, I can't, you know, I'm incapable of doing the entire stuff. And as most people are, most of us are not performers. Um, okay, what is your favorite and least favorite cat? Character, not actor. <laughs> not human. <laughs> least favorite. Oh, no. You have to have one. Everyone's got at least one. Oh, who would, it be? Who would my least favorite be? Oh, I feel bad saying. Oh, you know what I'm going to say? I know what I'm going to say. I would say my least favorite. It's a duo because they're twins. I'm going to say Cora Pat and Tantamile. The twins. You don't like the twins. Well, first of all, the twins, depending on what version you see, either exist or they don't exist. True. Yeah. So let's be honest. We can get by without the twins. <laughs> That's totally fair. Okay. So I think that's my diplomatic way of choosing my least favorite. Okay. I So the twins are so fascinating to me because they're a part of the show that I didn't know anything about. Um, and to your point, they're not in every version. They're they're there. But then some. the more I've heard about them and the more I've talked to people who've played them, they kind of creep me out but also fascinate me because they're like all-knowing. All and so they see – they like oh. anticipate the stuff before it happens. And I think that that's just – wild oh yeah i guess when you think of they're like what they sing in the beginning that makes sense 
our show didn't have the twins, so that was really me yeah. trying to not I'd be an asshole and call anyone out. <laughs> your very political answer to not anger any of your friends. Yeah. I love it. Okay, that's fair. I'm I'm for it. My answer's always been Peter, and I feel so bad because I've met the Peter I saw both times. And Wait, he's I don't wonderful. even know who Peter is. Who is Peter? So Peter probably also wasn't in your production. Peter no. was the Bus Gus track ensemble character dancing in the opening number, and they decided to name him in the show Peter. And so that's why I dislike Peter, because I just don't understand why they picked the name. Now, I get it's in the naming of cats, so it's in the poems, but like, right. there's all these crazy names, and then you got Peter. So that bugs me. That bugs me, like, to no end. So <laughs> that's, that's my, that's I, my answer. I had no idea who it's always Peter been was. it. And, okay, fair. And Christopher Gurr was the Peter I saw, and he was phenomenal and is amazing. And I still tell him every time I've talked to him that I don't like Peter. It's, you don't like him, and that's fine. Um, who's favorite? You didn't say favorite. Favorite, favorite. Um, my favorite cat again, and I don't know why. I really think it was Jackie Steadman. I'm gonna go Syllabub. I okay. like. I don't know why. I like Syllabub. You don't have to explain why. There's no I explanation do. in this show. I also like Demeter. Demeter's fun. She's a little skittish, but she's learning. Yeah. She's sweet. She's been through a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Well, what's your favorite song from the show? Uh, Grizabella the Glamour Cat. Yep. You mentioned that earlier. Okay. Yeah. And it's fun because you get to be part of it, really. Um, all right. If you – I always like one fun one on this. So this is my oh fun gosh. one for you having okay. been on tour. Which cat do you think would be living their best life on tour? Like who's thriving in that environment? Pounceable. Oh, why Pounceable? I don't know because he just is – I feel like Pounceable probably – Hopped on the road. He was just out of college. He probably just came out and he is like living his best life city to city, meeting people, experimenting. That I think Pounceable would yeah. live his best life on tour. That's a good that's a good answer. I always thought Tugger. I just think Tugger's like doing drugs on the bus before heading up on stage, doing his thing. Fair. Has his groupies all over. But I think Tug yeah, that's true. But I, I like don't know Pounceable. though. I think Pounceable gets into trouble. I like it. I hadn't thought about that one, which is Pounceville certainly is like has been on Grinder in every city that he goes to. <laughs> okay, yeah. So he's enjoying his time between. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I, I I don't disagree. Uh, <laughs> I again, I love this. Anytime I have different takes is what makes this part fun. <laughs> so let's get to the biggest take. Um, I have argued at length that I don't think Grizabella is the right Jellicle choice. So I always love talking to Grizabellas because I will emphasize I don't want to diminish Grizabella's performance. I think cat-wise, I just don't believe in Grizabella as my Jellicle choice. Uh -huh. So do you want to defend your time as Grizabella, or do you want to make an argument for a different cat? Well, I would like to hear what – do I get to hear why you don't feel that Grizabella is worthy? Of I, want to, I want to make you go first because I believe people listening to this have heard all of my various takes. Okay. And I have I, – it's evolved over time. But I can tell you my what started this podcast, and I can tell you where I am today. Um, but I would like to hear your take first. I think it takes a very strong person to have lived their life, to have maybe made some wrong choices, maybe have strayed from what the, the correct, normal, quote-unquote, normal path should have been. I think it takes a very strong person to come back with her head hung and ask for forgiveness and put herself in a vulnerable position with people, not people, with animals, with cats, yes. with cats, 
that she knows don't want her there. She knows what she is going to be met with and she goes anyway. She, um, she also sort of, I think at the end, she, I think she's almost resigned to the fact that it isn't going to happen. I, I think yeah. she, I think she, I do think it's a surprise that Victoria connects with her. Um, and I think that's all she wants. I think her story is all she wants is human connection and, or not human, damn it, is feline connection. <laughs> um, but I think it takes a really strong person and a really special person to to come back into an environment that she knows that she is not welcome to apologize and to ask for forgiveness. It's, you know, okay. so yeah, that's. That's my argument. It's because she is the bravest. Let me ask you a couple other questions about this now. Oh, God. Um, okay. I really pulled that one out of my ass. So. I have a lot of experience debating this, too. So it's yep. an, almost an unfair advantage <laughs> okay. at this point. How, if you are Old Deuteronomy, how do you believe Old Deuteronomy makes his choice every year? I think he makes it with who he is most moved by and feels is most deserving. Okay. So it's most deserving is your And moved by. I also said moved by. I'm not sure where this is going. (laughs) Moved by. Well, we all have to do our both. I think he, I think he, who has proven themselves to be worthy of being reborn. Okay, so in that criteria, your choice is between Grisabella and Gus. Mm-hmm. Your forgiveness ready, had made some bad choices, mm-hmm. is McCavity or Grisabella. My my other question to you is, if you are Grisabella, having been Grisabella, so let's say this, having been Grisabella, how would you have felt if you got reaccepted into the tribe mm-hmm. and got to live the next year with the tribe? I think I would have been happy about it. No? So, ag- Agreed. I agree. That's, I think, the root of my current debate with this, is why accept her back and then immediately offer? Well, see, here's the thing. I really think that your issue is with Dude, not Grizz. Totally fine. I, I don't think my issue is... I agree with that. I don't think it's with, I don't think <laughs> I it's think with Grizz <laughs> as the... My, my issue is with Grizz as the choice, not okay. that, that so, Grizz... That, that I don't think Grizz is deserving of being a choice eventually so wait say it again so you're saying she gets so you're so saying me, if she, okay go let back, me walk sorry. you through my let me walk you through my current thought process on this and then okay. i can tell you how how this podcast started and have everyone just fast forward um because i'm sure <laughs> everyone's heard me say it almost every episode um my current thought process on this is we only are introduced to one ball we only get one night and i am fascinated by this whole thing because i do think it's just like a it's a weird cult and so I'm wondering how the cult makes a decision to murder somebody every year, like in itself. That's basically the way I, I view this whole this whole tribe. That's our that's our rituals. We're going to sacrifice somebody every year. And with Grizabella, I don't think that was the plan because she shows up halfway through the ritual. And so I want to know what old Deuteronomy, how he makes the decision. Like if I looked at last year's ball or next year's ball, the likelihood of somebody coming back isn't happening. Most likely right. isn't happening. So how is the the criteria made and why are we making an exception this year? So if the criteria is most worthy, then I do think Grizabella is in that running. But I think Gus is probably the more logical argument. If it's, you know, and you can make a bunch of different rationales of what Old Deuteronomy is going to make his decision on right now and for every year forward or for every year back. Or does he not make a consistent choice? And then I have other issues with that in itself. Why is Old Deuteronomy doing it that way? Like what's going on with this already? 
again, this is where I've spent way too much time thinking about this. So that is where I think Gus is the most logical choice. He's lived his best life. He's looks like he's going to die anyways. He doesn't look like he's going to make it to the next ball. He gives an incredible performance. And I'd argue Grizzabelle would benefit from being next year's choice. I want her next year to be the choice because she'll then get a whole year back with her family, get to spend time being kind of re-brought back into the tribe, and then can go be picked the year later. But do you think that the tribe would truly and honestly, and maybe this is why Dute does pick her, because there's a difference between accepting someone when you know, accepting someone and connecting with someone when you know that they're about to peace out, you know? Um, And if he had been like, you know what, I'm going to hold off for a year. I want you to hang out with these people. That's a year of them like rehashing. (laughs) So that's, I I love that. I love it. Totally fair. What happened? Like, it's kind of like Facebook. Like you, you know, when some, when something happens on Facebook, that's like dramatic, suddenly people that you've never heard from or haven't connected with since like junior high school, but your Facebook friends, all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, I'm thinking of you. I'm praying for you. Best wishes. And then, you know, they go on with their day. But if you were like back in their life, like, I don't know how that would go. Then it'd be like, okay, well, wait a second. She's hanging around. I want to have a conversation about why the F she left in the first place and why she didn't call me. Mm, okay. I like this. I, I, I hear, I like Facebook, but I hear, I hear high school reunion or reunion. College yeah. Reunion. You're going to come for a night. You're going to have a great time, but then you want to go home. Yes. Okay. So I don't know that a year back in the tribe really would have been beneficial because I love it. That's a different argument, but I still would go back to then in that argument. Why not? Like, why does she, why are we breaking the tradition? Like how are we still deciding to give her the highest award that you can get every year that we spent two hours with people trying to say why they're worthy for it to someone that nobody really wants back in their life. Hmm. If you haven't noticed, I'm seasoned at arguing this. Yes, you are. You are. You are. (laughs) Um, I, I mean, I think part of it too, is that like, what happens when you're reborn? Like what you, you get to start over, right? Gus has lived a life that has been beautiful. He will, if he doesn't make it through the next year to be picked, to be reborn, he still has had a beautiful life. He has people who adore him. He has audiences who've adored him. He has Jelly Lorem. She loves him. Um, so he would have a full life, whether he's reborn or not. Whereas Grizabella would die alone. And I think maybe maybe she's being reborn so that she can correct mistakes that she had made. Whereas I think Gus really nailed it most of his life. <laughs> I I love I love you talking yourself into your own argument. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can see it. You can hear it. Um, this I, is also way more than I have ever analyzed cats. And I thank you for this because I I did not know that I even remembered this much about cats. And so this has been quite enlightening for me. So. I yeah, I feel a void most people don't realize that they had or needed in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a fun place to be here. Uh I so here's I do really enjoy that you make I had not thought about how the next year would go with Grizabella. So I do think that that's a very interesting take of she might not make it through the year coming back. It's like we can handle the night, but I don't know if we can handle more than that. I kind of think I like that. I'll, that's going to make me rethink. Doesn't change my mind. This I'm not changing the title of the podcast, but 
I do think that that does give me something to think about of, can she stay for the year? I don't think she could. I don't think she could. I think there's too much history. I think there's too much history. And I think it's one thing to see a familiar face and have that moment of like, this This was nice. I, I did love you at one point in my life, but like, like a whole year? I don't know. I don't know. Because what if all the rumors are true? Then she's going to have to figure out like, you know, she's here's got what, two kids. Here's she's what we're going to do. to meet her and bomb. <laughs> here's what we're going to do. I okay. saw as we're recording this, because I'm not sure when it's going to air, that Britney Spears just signed a $15 million book deal. When her book comes out, I think that'll answer our Grisabella question. Because I, <laughs> I think I do see a little of uh, some parallels there. And I all do right. think that she had some family issues. And I'm yeah. curious when I read her book. Is she, could she have spent the year with her family? I think if she's a hard no, which I think she is, then I think I'm with you on this. You think Britney Spears could have spent a year with her family? I mean, that's the question of, no, I don't. I think that's why I'm with you on this. But I think that that's our parallel here that we can get an All answer right. from. All right. So we will both, we'll circle back after the book is we out. Will, we will chat after the book. I still, again, I, I think that that does not change my argument for Gus or even McCavity. Or my other argument, which I'll give you the short version. Everyone listening, you can fast forward a couple minutes. Wait, why McCavity? Can I just pause for one second? I think why if you, McCavity? I actually don't think McCavity is a great choice. But I think no. if you argue who has had a like a rough past and needs to be out in a different way, because like if that's your argument for Grisabella, she had she's done some bad things and we're going to accept her back, you can make that parallel to McCavity. I don't think Grisabella did bad things to other people. I think Grisabella did mm. bad things to herself. Okay, that's fair. Whereas McCavity, I think, is a bit of a dick. <laughs> Definitely. Um, He's the even, villain. Even sexy Idris Elba is like a bit of a dick, <laughs> yeah. um, which I, I didn't make it through the whole movie, so I don't know how, how that went. But it doesn't it doesn't get better? Different podcast. Um, no, McCav McCav no McCavity and Grisabella. Yes, she made bad choices, but I think she made bad choices for herself. I think she made. Okay. I think she had the best of intentions, and it didn't go well. Did you think when we started this that you were going to be that passionate defending Grisabella? No, I didn't think I was going to remember that I played Grisabella. So, <laughs> I love so it. this has been quite informative. I can, t- I can tell you the other argument I've made. I'm going to call a therapist how- tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is yeah it's deep it's it's really deep when you start thinking about cat's characters um the other argument i've made and it's what started this show is i saw leona lewis who is an x-factor champion okay as grisabella mm-hmm. i about halfway through the show thought this is the weirdest episode of x-factor i've ever seen oh. and so i took an x-factor route and if you take an x-factor route and it's purely just a singing competition of who's going to be the performers you enjoy most to vote on by American public or British public, I guess, depending on Mm -hmm. which X Factor you're watching. I enjoyed Tugger and Mistopheles as like the, I think that they have a One Direction style. I can combine them and make the most money with those two as a tour. And so that would be my champion. And so if I'm picking from that angle only, I'm picking different. As much as Grisbell and Memory is amazing and powerful, and it's probably the showstopper at the end with some package about how rough the life was coming in, leading into it, mm-hmm. I still think the most famous X Factor people are the groups that got created from it, which are Fifth Harmony and One Direction. And so I made a group from the show. All right. I mean, that's fair. If you look at it from an X Factor point of view, I would agree with your argument. That's And that's how this all started. All right, interesting. Is I 
thought the show was X Factor. I thought it was a weird, furry version of X Factor. And that's how I voted on it. And so that is where I made this. And we'll leave it at that. <laughs> so who was your original? I mean, so, obviously, if you were going, if that's how this started, was your original pick Mistopheles? Tenopheles. Like, I'm sending them together. Again, they have, oh, all the, they have all the fan fiction. Oh, they're together. I I'm see. creating. Okay. I don't want either of them individually. I want the, I want the, you I want one direction. I want okay. Bert and Ernie ending up there together. All right. So that's, that's my answer. Fair. Okay. But it's a very different show if you look at it from that way. I, I do want, there's a world we live in where I could see the show where everyone has a buzzer in their seat and it's voted on by the audience. And you just like drop like, through the ground. Yeah. No, like, like, like the show, you know, everyone gets to vote from like home. Like the gong show. What if you just like brought it back like the gong show style and like someone just, if they don't like your number, they just like gong you out of there. I'll tell you the other one I really want and they'll never do this because it just dramatically changes it. But you're, when you're on tour and you do, let's say, four nights in a city, mm-hmm. I want you to pick a different cat every night to just be the ending. So it's like still sing memory, do the whole show exactly the same, but have a different one elevate. Well, you and could then, do it like Edwin Drood style. Like let the audience just at the end of the show decide who goes. I, but I would say – like a different ending for yeah, everyone. And don't, have a, don't let them go the next night. Yeah. So that's my – if they ever let me so direct you really the are like show. an equal opportunity. You sort of want everyone to experience the heavy side layer. I think if the show is about everyone trying to put up their performance for why they should go and it's truly a competition of saying, and that's the through line of the show, then I'm not sure I pick Grisbell every night. But it is interesting because there are certain numbers, and I guess I actually don't know the answer to this. There are certain characters that you really sort of associate are, are vying for that slot. But then there are other characters, like there's an entire number for Mungo Jerry and Rumble Teaser. Like they got a whole lot of life ahead of them. They don't need totally. to be reborn just yet. So it does sort of feel like only a handful of characters. Like you sort of think like Jenny Anydots, Gus, Grizz, I mean, even Mistopheles, like he's got a lot going for him. He's got like a sparkle unitor. He's very fit. Like he can keep going for a while. I so totally agree with you. It just it feels like a handful. And then the rest of it is like, like filler. Like they don't. Completely. You need a show and you want to make the most of everything. I love sitcoms. I love storytelling. And I got none of it when I saw this show. So I muted my own <laughs> through line through this. And so this is how I brought my own through line through this. So was is this I, really just you trying to like justify the the two hours and change? You yeah. Said, you're like I, that saying where you're like, I'm not going to get this time back. And you're like, oh, yeah, fuck that. I'm going to double I love, down on this. I love it because I don't – I'm the opposite of that actually for – to me, live theater or live plays or anything that where you're getting to see something unique. I look at the same way I'm seeing sporting events, which is – you're seeing somebody incredibly talented at the top of their field doing something that you can't. And even if it's the worst thing you've ever seen in your life, and this isn't cats, but there I've saw, saw one recently that I thoroughly did not enjoy. And the people I saw with were like, Oh my God, they were, you know, they were very adamantly about how bad it was. And I sat there going like, it was two and a half hours. Like, it was like it was comically bad almost, but it wasn't. You know you're gonna have to tell me this. Still, I will. I will. I don't, I'm not saying it live. I know enough people that actually that have liked the show and other stuff, so I don't want to be too controversial because I'm not experienced. But I know I got to see very talented people do really great performances with what I thought was really stupid songs, mm-hmm. and so I, like even that, where I was like, I don't need the two and a half hours back. Like that was entertaining. That was a, an entertainment value. Would I go yeah. again? Would I recommend it to somebody else? No. 
But I do still try to, and this show also did not have much of a story, tried to figure out the story through it because that's the way I like to see movies and sitcoms and rom-coms is something where I get like, I don't, when I'm seeing something like that, I generally don't want to think that hard. And so I tried to add a story to cats that doesn't really exist. And I know that about myself. So I'm very Mm -hmm. aware that like, if you want to enjoy cats, you should drink or intoxicate yourself in some capacity and just go experience it. I still don't think my family has forgiven me for the (laughs) amount of times that they sat with cats. Um, but that's, that's it. And that's why, you know, I'm here and can argue in so many different angles because I've thought about if I was putting the through line through this, what it would look like. And that's what shaped my thoughts. Do I do you think, think that, oh, sorry. I was gonna say, I just don't think this podcast exists if Leona Lewis wasn't the first Grisabella I saw. <laughs> I'm ve- and I'm very aware of that. Do you think T.S. Eliot ever really, like, do you think he knew what he, what he started? Do you think he knew? I don't. Cause I mean, he was long dead by the time well you know what i mean but like do you think when he was writing cats he was like like that he was like what was it how what was the actual title of his thing oh my god possums yeah old possums yeah whatever it's i have it somewhere behind me um Um, no i don't think in his brain he was like this is gonna this is gonna stand the test of time no, and I can tell you why is because we can bring this full circle to the way we started. Is Grizabelle was like scratched on a piece of paper that they found in his estate. It's not in the book. And it's not in the book because he's quoted saying that it was too scary for children. And so I find that part as a major part of my argument for why children shouldn't see the, should see the show is if the guy who wrote all the lyrics for this thought this main character that we're centering the show around is too scary for children, then why are your parents bringing you to the Winter Garden? Interesting. I did not know that. So that's why I would say I don't think they thought about it. I also think that that's part of the brilliance of Andrew Lloyd Webber and Trevor Nunn and everyone who put this together of like, wow, you took, you literally took a book of poems that were meant for kids and created a, a loose story. I'll call it a loose story, but created a really a very interesting piece of theater mm-hmm. from it which I know I'm incapable of doing. So that's why I'm going to nitpick what's happened on, on the story of that. Cause yeah. I would have never thought to, to do that. But I also like, I would have been better writing a, I don't, I'm not good enough at theater history, but writing more of a, of a tidy story, like a, mm-hmm. an A line, B line come together at the end conflict resolution type of thing where the yeah. first act ends with your you know cliffhanger of conflict. Mm-hmm. I would have never, I'd be awful at writing something like cats where it's so ambiguous. So instead, I've spent 70 episodes plus arguing about why I think it's wrong. (laughs) Which is also kind of amazing. And here we are. I've talked to you and all your friends and a bunch of other Grizabellas. And um, my goal is, I have two goals now. I know I've accomplished one, but I can't say it because I don't want to get them in trouble. Okay. I wanted one of my rumor mill conversations to have somebody go on stage and not change how they're performing. So that's why I think it's kind of crazy. But that get them to actually just say, I am going to play this character as this person's daughter, mother, significant other, Mm -hmm. one of those versions. And most of the people who I know I've influenced at least one, but they don't want to say it because it's like, you don't want to anger a director. You don't want to like change it. Even though I think it's minor, it's like not changing the show. It's just like how you react at a moment. So that's one I want to go. I really want the tour to call me that's on now and just be like, let me just come consult. Let me just give you the backstory <laughs> of all the cats. Just sit, let me sit down with the cast. I'm going to tell you all kinds of stuff that they hadn't thought about. Um, two is, is I, I think there's cats too, but I'm like, I can't write music. 
I can't. Well, can't you got to you got to find a partner. You got to do it. I need somebody to come through, and we're gonna rewrite the next year's ball. All right, that I'm in. I'm in. But that's uh, <laughs> again, I'm not capable. Like I, I know I'm not like skilled to do that. These are people that have studied for this for years, and I have not. <laughs> And I have not, don't have years of background of theater or any musical ability to be able to write this stuff. So I will, again, want somebody to start tackling it and then let me consult. And then let you be the consultant. All right. Well, if I hear anything, if I know of anyone who's like down for it, I'm definitely going to put you in touch. I do. I really think I could provide a lot of value to the current tour. (laughs) Just let me come in. Let me just have a few conversations and you will have different reactions throughout the night in a good way. I think that's fair. You got to keep it fresh. So. Yeah, it's only been around for 40 plus years. <laughs> but, well, thank you for adamantly arguing for Grizabella and making me think about a couple of things I hadn't thought about. That's yes. always a fun part of this show. Um, and thank you for being an amazing guest. Thank you for having me. This was really fun. Awesome. And thanks everyone for listening to this episode of The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cat's catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Wrong Cat Died, or check out our website, thewrongcatdied.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.